my dearest peace lovers and peacemakers. Welcome to Peace Mindedly. Before I go any further, I have a favor to ask you. Would you please consider pledging your contributions with our podcast? Please go to goldtone.com, G-O-L-T-U-N-E.com and pledge your contributions. Please think big when you enter the dollar figures. Thank you so much. Shokran, Choktashakular, Maxiboku, and Khaili Mamnu. We are an independent news outlet. We practice peace journalism. We feature peaceful bridge makers. Your contributions will help our peace initiative. Thanks again. For today's program, we are talking about the sex, lust, love, and erotica. We wrote in Symbols is the book by Selma Dabak. The book is the first anthology to feature writings by Arab women on lust, love, and erotic literature. Trying to cover more than 3,000 years, the book includes the works of classical authors, award-winning contemporary writers, and emerging storytellers. The book is the first of its kind published in English. Selma Dabar is a British-Palestinian writer, and her debut novel, Out of It, was named a Guardian Book of the Year. Her audio play, The Brick, was produced by BBC Radio. She has numerous short stories, and I am so honored to have Selma in our show. Hello, Selma. Hello, Sarah. Thank you for inviting me here. It's Absolutely. It's, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure, Selma. <laughs> Selma, tell me, what did happen that you decided to write this book? Okay. Well, I mean, I think the idea for this book comes from a variety of places. One was an anthology of classical poems by classical women writers. So it was Arabic poetry from the pre-Islamic era right up until the fall of Andalusia in 1492. And it was edited by a man called Abdullah Uthari, uh, published by Saki. And I read it in the mid, like around 2006, when I was writing my novel. And the poems in this really struck me. I mean, some of them were very, you know, what you'd expect from classical Arab women poets. They were lamenting the loss of maybe a brother in war, or they were, you know, um, describing um, a natural setting. But there were also these poems about love and about lust and about sexuality, which had a very contemporary and forthright voice in them, which was a surprise to me. And um, so that interested me very much. I included a couple of little snippets of some of these poems in my novel. But it also opened up to me this idea of... um, Arab women's the way that sexuality was seen in the Arab world having varied a lot throughout the era um, and then I was also I always read quite broadly and so I've been reading a lot of contemporary writing and um, there were Arab women writers who really influenced my me starting to write and the white you know the writers that I was very attracted to particularly those who um, wrote in English because I'm, I'm an English language reader so Ahdaf Swaif being one of them and I felt that her writings on very personal intimate issues was often put in a very subtle way and a very um, she could capture all these the nuance and the subtlety of sexual politics which I think is something which we all find very hard to do, even in like conversations with people when it's really, really important to get the right word. We often 
wish for a moment to have been in a different way or we're so scared of offending that we rush through how we describe these these points in our lives and I found her to be extremely skilled um, and very you know it really it really moved me uh, her writing then I also started noticing that there were writers and here we have Leila Sleimani who's like this massive you know, best-selling writer who writes in French, Moroccan French writer, who wrote probably one of the most, um, you know, a very, a novel with hugely sexually explicit scenes, which became a blockbuster, which was, this was only a couple of years ago. What is the book? Do you, do you remember oh, the book? Yeah, there's an extract from it in the anthology, but it's called Adele in English and uh, Les Jardins des Ogres in French so um and I and I thought it was just very interesting how there was this movement around writing about sexual sexuality in modern writers and the very classical so what I wanted to do because I was a little bit maybe left a little bit cold by some of the contemporary writing I've been reading by North American writers about particularly the hookup culture sometimes very sort of I don't know, it's, it's almost like a, it's, it's posturing in a male way about how to deal with sexuality, and it felt a little bit alien to me. So I was just wondering what's happened between that classical period and the modern period, and if we could just collect a range of voices. Yes, we do have about 75 writers uh, in this yes. book and about 101 stories. And mm-hmm. um, and then, um, I mean, as much as I understood uh, the period that we are covering of telling all of these stories goes back to about how many years about if I'm right 3000 years there's a lot of you see it's very hard to time date the oldest poem so what's mm-hmm. called the jahiliyyah or the period of ignorance yes before mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so what um, is the strategy to see okay so I'm going to pick this writer and I'm going to pick this poet and I'm going to do this what was the strategy of uh, choosing these people well, it was quite tricky. And what I decided to do was go very broad. And I tend to do this when I write anything. My first drafts are very wide. I research everything possible and then I shrink it back in. And then it, and shrinking in involves the sort of picking up on strands, strands of ideas or themes. Um, so I wanted to cover as many time periods as possible, as many um, languages as possible, as many nuances within love and lust and then sometimes I was finding this connection Um, I also wanted to get highly established well-established writers and new voices I was very keen to encourage writers who hadn't been published before to come forward if they hadn't because when I started writing I learned back it was was quite difficult to to get anything any work published so I was asking people to see if they knew of other people. So Saki, the publisher, was helping. Other writers were recommending. So it was very broad. Then we picked up on these themes of love and lust coming through very mm-hmm. strongly. So at one point we were playing with the idea of erotica or erotic or writings, but actually, really, we found this connection between love and lust very strong. So, so what is the what is the main difference, in your opinion, between lust and erotica? Well, erotica, you see, I always thought that, you know, I generally kind of conceived that erotica is right just about anything erotic. And erotic itself can mean 
you know, some people define it as sort of anything sensual or a life force. Some people see it clearly as belonging to sex and... Uh, but erotica as a genre within literary writing has often come just associated with writing which which is is written with the specific object of sort of sexually exciting the reader. So that isn't really what I wanted with the writing. I wanted more of an exploration of emotions. I mean, some of the works might have that effect, but it wasn't the the key um, aspect that I was I was looking at here in in, in picking writings. Mm-hmm, and actually, mm-hmm. Aurora is very badly written, and it's not written by very many women in a, in a literary way, erotica as as such. Mm-hmm. So, I so yeah. Them. When when I read the book and I was browsing over many stories, um, I found it was not like penthouse. It was not like you know cheap erotica uh, stories. It was it was in depth, and I could see I I could project, or uh, I truly enjoyed a woman in uh, Palestine or in Doha mm-hmm. or in different places, and mm-hmm. the, the writing was in depth so for instance in one of the one of the short stories it's catch no feeling by yusra samir imran so the story yeah. is a man who flies from riyadh to uh, doha to have sex with this woman in a four-star hotel and then um, when, when woman suggests him to move to doha and stay with with her and so forth he he just decides uh, on on his way back to cut everything and and delete the uh, WhatsApp account and do not uh, and and make the person disappear. So, in, in the in 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 our culture, uh, men are allowed to have sex without love. But I I just have this kind of uh, perplexed moment that do we allow women the same? opportunity and right do we allow arab women to just have sex for the sake of sex and without involving too much feelings and love well yeah that's i mean it's a very big question and i think that um i mean the 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 anthology doesn't really go any way to answering that i mean the prohibitions are obviously really exist and i think that the arab world is is not the only society where taboos exist with regards to women's sexuality i think that when taboos exist they most often land in the area of women's sexuality and what they can and cannot do i think um the issue of of this in that particular story she's she's wiped out and that is a very modern phenomenon you know in terms of being able to connect with somebody sometimes very deeply meeting them through through the internet or otherwise forming a relationship and a bond and then being able to absent yourself because your only community of connection is is online so this this phenomenon of ghosting is is common i think women from any background would associate with that and i think that the truth and also the trick moment in that story where the narrator says i want more from you you know i'm i'm, I'm I've, i have feelings for you it's it's the desire of the man not to involve the feelings the ability that he can walk away that i also think is is something that is felt quite universally as as, as 
more likely to happen to a woman than the other way around. But, um, the the character from Leila Soleimani actually has has is is it's set in France, and she uses she is is a sort of Arabic woman character in France, but she's using sexuality as a tool. Uh, or, or, or as a, as a mechanism for for having power in a way in the story. So it's not all of them where the woman is, ends up as the victim, it's, but it's as complex. Although the stakes are higher, perhaps in prohibitive yes, society. Yes, I mean, sex itself is a very complex uh, space to ever tap yeah. into. So I wonder, do you have any uh, favorite story? In this book of course you're gonna say all of these stories are my favorite <laughs> stories i love them all but yes. is there any <laughs> yeah, i think the thing about this book is i feel um it's something that should maybe stay by somebody's bed and that you can pick it up and read it at different times i think to read it i mean the amount of sex in it actually sort of when i put it together and it was sort of in one volume and i read it i was like oh my god there's so much i i it felt quite because sex is so strong to kind of it's like violence it's like you can sort of need to deal with it in small bits because it evokes such strong emotions so i think it's a book that needs to be read slowly and i think some of the pieces which i love you know on one day i can you know, maybe some of the very sexual funny pieces really work for me. And then other days I'm really attracted to the more poignant um, romantic pieces. So, or, or sometimes the more playful ones. Um, but I have many favourites, particularly from, from the... There's one new translation of a very old tell poem. Me, tell me a story, story of one of the ones, this story of one of the ones you like. Well, some of the older ones, we don't have very much story around them. Um, and then, so I, I mean, one is um, by, uh, I just find it the most, can I, some of them from the classical periods are almost their exchanges. So the man would say something and the woman would come back with a retort because um, the, there were, some of the, some of the poets during the Abbasid, Umayyad, Andalusian periods, it was the, the women of the court would raise their own value by their skills in poetry. So to be quick-witted was a way to sort of, it was like for sort of the Mamluk soldiers, that was the way that you elevated, you elevated yourself through soldiery, whereas the women were elevating themselves through their power of wit, you know, or their musical skills or their singing voice. So you have this really um, interesting kind of throwback comments, which I really love. Uh, and also I'd like to say is to add a little bit more story and colour to the classical period, which a lot of people, you know, if I didn't date my pieces because I didn't want people to feel this distance of time. But in the classical period you had, there are some of the poets who are known to embroider the poems on, on their clothes. And some of these clothes were transparent. So you'd have, the, the couplet on on their on their arm maybe sewn in sometimes on the belt and it would be sort of seen around town what they were saying to their lover you know and it would be known who their lover was and it's almost like Twitter between the celebrities is that that I think gives a little bit of color and context I'd love to see it performed you know 
Here is my request. I'm sure that you can tell me better than myself to just give a flavor of the stories and storytelling to our readers. There is one particular story. I think it's called Milk, uh, Fig Milk. Yes. Um, in Palestine refugee camp between, I think, uh, Dakar and, uh, and uh, the other woman. What's going on? Oh, I'm so glad you picked out this one because Samia Issa, who wrote this, she's published a lot in Arabic. She, this is the first time she's been published in English to me because I wrote, I wrote a lot on Palestine. And I think that this, you know, this piece is extraordinary because it's, it's, um, it's a sexual in, encounter which takes place in the only place of privacy within a refugee camp which is in the latrines so it's actually a really disgusting setting but somehow Samia in the way that she writes this she gets the sort of the longing of the human heart these two characters who don't really see each other they're also the woman is slightly older she's said to be like in her 40s that and you get and I find it a very politically strong piece, as well as being so much just about humanity and how degrading the lives of people in camps can become by just working with the the aspirations of, of you know, for love and connection and sexuality and being held. And, and it, this piece, I think it's beautiful, it's sensual, it's kind of funny, it's a bit ludicrous, it's, um, and it's kind of gross as well, the setting, but she makes it almost beautiful. She makes it almost like an epiphany is happening in these factories. It's, it's absolutely, okay, I'm going to tell this story if you don't. So it's <laughs> about this woman uh, is in a refugee camp and she is, uh, she found a space in this bathroom to go and masturbate. And then at the same time, there is another gentleman, a people's leaders committee, a head of the head of the people's committee. And he happens to be in the um, men's section of the bathroom. And the wall was very thin between these two individuals. And when women was masturbating, she was mowing and all of those. And uh, the man can hear and got excited. And he was he was also masturbating. But but what you read in this story is, as I said, it's uh, it's it's not porno. It's it's mm -hmm. a beautiful literature implying an implication of what's happening, what's taking place, and how everything is coming together. And you mm -hmm. see, you see, it, it's just absolute. I'm I'm just going to encourage everyone to buy the book because this is yeah. one of the pieces and many other pieces that I, I absolutely loved. Here's my question. You know, uh, I have been talking with writers and uh, scholars and sex educators. In, in our season two, we had a special program on Valentine's Day, three Muslim women managing this uh, sex education online classes for uh, women 
women only and just teaching yeah. them how to do sex and how to enjoy and how to have protective sex. Or or I, I talked with Sertais Sehlikoglu. She is the scholar and she wrote this book about women desires. So women in Istanbul mm-hmm. really taking care of their bodies and the beauty uh, beauty. So then they they be more desirable not only for themselves or their mm-hmm. husbands or the just you know not specifically saying within the characteristic of their family okay and then we have other other like yusra imran who is publishing this newsletter and it's all about erotica love and lust and she uh, wrote a book called red lipstick and and hijab we see these things are happening and i really do not want i mean first i mean if i do not sound racist i do not want to credit western you know, thinking that, oh, this is a Western thing. I would like to see that this is actually happening. Women and Muslim women are creating this space that is taking this this issue that has been imposed on them against them within the patriarchal connotation mm-hmm. and taking their own hands and create, recreating space. So, so what do you think about that? Do, would you think that they've been influenced by Western ideas or is this something organic is happening or because we are in this global uh, market and global economy and everything is influencing the other? So, uh, so we see these kind of things among uh, Muslim women talking about erotica, lust, love, mm-hmm. and sex outside of marriage, for instance, or before marriage, or getting divorced for the sake of enjoying sex and so forth. Well, um, I, I love the question. I mean, I love where you're coming from and the work that you've you've already highlighted and, and you've connected with. I think one of the things I was very keen on um, with this collection, it's a collection of literature, so. Uh, various voices explaining it's not it's not theoretical in terms of pointing at something but definitely uh, I was very keen to get the connection with the classical in the modern show the the heritage uh, with regards to women's sexuality because for two I mean two things one is that Arab women were writing poetry long before any poems were published um, English I mean the first book published in English was in the 14th century by then we've already had this long you know we've had these these periods that I mentioned previously we've had very um, uh, literate a uh, high degree of literacy so they were they were a few years of time I mean I'm not an expert on this on this area but I think I've spoken to um, academics that during the Basque period, for example, in Iraq, you had this notion of um, female sexual desire as being something very strong, but also something which could be viewed you know, as, as a positive thing, which had to be catered towards, you know, that it, it would mean that um, sexuality was kind of a way of life. It was a way of creating harmony within the couple, and with the couple that would sort of reach out to a broader harmony within society. So ensuring that the women were satisfied as 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 well was existed in in this you know in the Islamic religion at a point in time, as well as the you know other anomalies to the way that Islam might be being interpreted today. Some of this, I think, that there's been because of the way that sensuality and sexuality was was taken on. Like for example, in the Victorian era, where a lot of sexual pornographic material was 
coming from, seen to set in or said to be translations of work from the Arab world. You had this orientalizing and sexualizing of Arab, Arab women. So um, it's kind of made the subject a little bit untouchable in some ways. That's why I, I wanted to keep it as the, the women's voices from the two periods so that it's like, and, and that's why I'm also ordered the pieces in, in this way so that they're speaking to each other like whispering to each other throughout the centuries so it's not something that 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 sort of sexual libera liberality and a notion of female sexual satisfaction is a western port it's not if in fact it's got a longer legacy in in writing by women in the arab world yeah and then i'm thinking also as you were speaking relationship between literature and what is actually happening in the society. So, so it's phenomenal. You see that these things has been existed in somehow or in imagination or women dared to think or imagine any of these experiences that they, they, they started writing about. Although I'm imagining that even writing or going through any of these materials, especially during Islam and when Islam was uh, so strong at the time, was very dangerous i mean dangerous probably I'm, I'm i'm i just would like to get your take on how was it for women to uh, to write these kind of uh, stories and literature because sex has been really a secret matter in within the middle eastern societies so please stay put with me i'm gonna come back you are listening to peace mindedly a podcast featuring peaceful bridge makers our writer today is connecting, bridging us to the world of Arab women who wrote about love, lust, and erotica. We wrote in Symbols celebrates the works of 75 Arab women authors who articulated love and lust with artistry and skill. In this book, you read about a wedding night takes an unexpected turn beneath a canopy of stars. A woman on the run meets her match in a flirtatious encounter at Dubai airport. And a carnal awakening occurs in a Palestinian refugee camp. We talked about this piece during our interview with, uh, with our author. Selma collected and edited these pieces for us English speaker audience to read and enjoy the works of Arab female writers. It is one of its kind for the first time. Previously, the British Palestinian writer published a novel and numerous short stories as well as radio programs for BBC. Selma, would you think in any way the Me Too movement that we are experiencing here in the West uh, have ever influenced any of the writers, uh, recent uh, contemporary writers, to just come out of shell and talk about sexuality with less fear? Mm, yeah, I mean, uh, very good question. I think that the implications of the Me Too movement have been far more, have been really far-reaching and and uh, impressive. And I, I must say, you know, even though in the beginning one was kind of questioning, you know, these celebrities and what have they got to lose, when you sort of read the individual accounts of how the, some of these women being, you know, stalked and bullied by, you know, former Mossad agents around the streets of Hollywood and the risks that they took to, um, 
to complain. I think it's been an inspiration uh, and it has changed the discourse. I mean, you know, definitely in the Western world. I think uh, social media has made some women uh, more courageous in the introduction of uh, the, in uh, the internet. But then other women um, I've spoken to in more conservative societies say that it actually it used to be easier to write because you you know you might publish a poetry pamphlet and maybe five thousand people see it now things can be taken out of context you know they can be circulated so we have to always be very careful about how stories are, are presented and it's also i think with fiction writers because that's you know where i came from at this in the role of a fiction writer we have a real need for stories particularly positive stories and loving stories and stories with a erotic impulse in them because this was partly an endeavor to sort of explore showcase promote those writers who are a little bit more risky but also respond to the beating heart and nothing's harder to write about than sex and love and lust so yes, uh, responding to the beating heart and <laughs> yeah that's yes yes so um it's the silly question you're gonna forgive me yeah. but i i'm gonna ask i'm gonna i'm gonna request uh, for your answer so i was wondering which one of the stories in this book you think it's the sexiest or more arousing or when you read your heart beats so fast <laughs> well it kind of depends on one's oh my goodness that's such a personal question um <laughs> i think you know i think medma is quite a sexy piece i mean yeah it's almond it's a very i mean the book itself i was that there were parts that i was really taken with as, as much but this i think this description it's a little bit you know it's it, that's quite you know it's full on it's the full sort of sexy the one i love the Selwa and Naimi in terms of the pre-sexual encounters and the, the 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 sort of feeling of what it's like to be with a lover when there's that charge in the room or when you first meet them. I think she gets that really well, and she also I don't know. It makes you sort of long to be in that moment again. Uh, what is the name of the story? Do you remember? The Selwa and Naimi's is on the ecstasies of the body. So, the exorcism uh, of the body. Ah, uh, but which is the second? I wasn't expecting you to ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean, um, I know. Um, but, but I know that you are going to, I'm sure you are not going to read the ecstasies in the body, but you promised me to uh, read I, two poems. And then yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if you are ready to read them. Yes. So what I'm going to do is, uh, what I'll do, I will read a bit of The Ecstasies of the Body, which is just about a oh, really? meeting. It's not, it's not, um, it, it's not an overtly sexual part. <laughs> I, maybe I need to promote this anthology a little bit longer and then I'll be ready to do that. <laughs> what, what one is able to read to oneself is different to what one can read on a video forever. <laughs> so, um, so Selwa and Naomi, um, this is the part where she says, the first time I saw him, I was in the metro. I was reading a satirical newspaper. I raised my eyes and saw him staring at me. He was sitting opposite me, talking with friends. I went back to my reading, but I was distracted. There was something in him that called to me, something in his look that called to me. Our eyes met again. 
and that southern exploratory look was trained on me. We got off at the same train station. We went our own way with a last lingering look, but I didn't have enough time to register that look so that I might recall it and try to decipher it. The first time I saw him, I was sitting in, he was sitting in front of me at the political conference I'd come to attend. He was with a group of people that I knew. A mutual friend introduced us, and from that point on, he didn't leave me. He stayed by my side, and I felt good. For two days, we did not leave each other. We parted only in the evening, which each returning to our respective lives. He gestures to his throat. It grabs me here, he said at the end of the second day, for my ears only. Had I heard him correctly? When he repeated these words, I knew that I had been waiting for them. I almost gave that half-serious, half-mocking laugh that I used to avoid the issue. But then I didn't dare, I didn't dare play with him, the game that I play with others. His presence was so complete that it obliged me to answer him. I felt dizzy. How did I know that I had to make up my decision at that instant or to face him? I didn't want to lose him. I mean, I could stop there. She merges several encounters with different men into sort of one moment of meeting. And then I want to read something from the classical period, which is a little bit more pained. Um, it's by Olaya bint al-Mahdi, who was the sister of Harun al-Rashid. And she's quite interesting because she's said to have loved men, women, and also possibly the court eunuch. So there's a real androgyny in terms of the love, who she loves and how she loves. Um, so she says, to love two people is to have it coming, body nailed to beams, dismemberment. But loving one is like observing religion. I held out until fever broke me. How long can grass breathe fire? If I did not have hope that my heart's master's heart would bend to mine, I would be stranded, no closer to gate than home. And that's translated by Yasmin Seal. Beautiful. Thank you very much. Is there, I mean, this is, I'm wondering, is there anything else you would like to add to this conversation? Yeah, I think just one, one, one little point, which was just about women and sexuality and i think we've got there's so much i've talked a little bit you know i talked about sort of netflix and the sort of deluge of, of media images but we're also it's like the deluge of pornographic images and, and male um versions of how sex should be are really have taken over the world so it's not just about our women writers but it's just about trying to find voices which are explaining uh, this, you know, this experience for women, which can be quite different to how how it's um, envisaged on the screen. Uh, that was one thing. And the other thing is just that writing, I think it provides a very private space. Um, and it's, and reading is a very private activity. And the book is, is something very, very suited to this kind of writing, which is why um, I think it's important. And the last thing perhaps is just because it's about love. And I think there's so little which is about love in a region which is always connected to violence. I think it takes you into the moment and the place in a, in a fresh way with beautiful descriptions of, of, of towns and cities we don't all know. Beautiful. What is your next project? I'm writing a novel. 
set in Jerusalem, and I'm loving it. Yeah. Uh, setting in where? What? 1930s Jerusalem in the area of Sheikh Jarrah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so it's a love story, on. isn't it? It's a bit of a love story. Yeah. It's a bit of awesome. a love story and it's a political drama as well. Yeah. Okay. Then, Excellent. Yeah. Can't wait to read the book. Thank, Thank you, you so Sarah. much. Yes, Selma. So it's the signature of our show. We ask our guests to share a statement, childhood story, prayer, something meaningful, meaningful for them uh, about peace, kindness, and compassion. And I wonder what would be what would you like to share with us? Um, I think, as the child of a mixed marriage, I would say that, that we have. That although the differences can be huge, that the cultures of East and West work well, very complement each other in art, architecture, storytelling, um, and have built on each other for centuries and should be seen to continue to do so. And that legacy should be absorbed and promoted rather than constantly seeing difference. Thank you very much and thank you so much for being our honored guest, Khoda Hafiz. Thank you. Thank you.